please find us at virgilkaylock.uk or patreon.com forward slash virgilkaylock. The Strange Tales of Virgil Kaylock. Beyond the Golden Curtain. Chapter 3 I had assumed that Dorothy would be waiting for me, but I could see no sign of her on the street outside. I paced quickly up Mill Lane and up to the main road, following her steps back to town. She wasn't there. I doubled back on myself, thinking that perhaps for some strange reason she had headed towards the river. Then, glancing down an alley between the warehouse buildings, I saw her. Dorothy! She was standing at the wharf's edge, looking down. She was speaking to someone, someone I couldn't see. And then, lifting her skirt, she began to descend a deep set of steps in the wharf wall. What on earth are you doing? She had disappeared from sight, but I heard the splash. I raced to the dockside and saw her struggling and gasping as she fought to keep her head above the water. Oh my God, wait, hang on, wait. I threw off my jacket and leapt in. The water was foul and cold and caught my breath, but my mind was on saving Dorothy. Dorothy! She wasn't there. The water swirled where she had sunk, and I forced myself under to find her. Reaching out, I felt the cloth of her dress and caught her arm. I could feel the panic in her body as she clutched at me, fighting for her life. We broke the surface, dragging air into our lungs, and, coughing, we pulled ourselves toward the steps where we collapsed onto the weed and jetsam in the shallow water. What in God's name were you up to? You nearly drowned. What were you thinking? I had to talk to her. To who? To Millie. Oh, Millie, God, no. You saw her. I, I followed her down the steps. I slipped. Where is she? I saw nothing. Nothing. No blue dress, no Millie, no nothing. But she was there. I saw her. I saw her face. No, Dorothy, you didn't. There was no one. There was no one there. Are you all right? God only knows what's in that foul water. Oh, am I mad? I am. I must be. But but I saw her. I spoke to her. You spoke? What did she say? Well, I said, Millie, where are you going? She said, she, she said, you know where. We are going to tea with Mr. Pinch. Sodden and cold, we managed to persuade a motorised taxi to take us to my flat in Coptic Street, where Mrs Cummings, my landlady, greeted us with wide-eyed horror. And though dissatisfied with my feeble explanation, she hurried to look after both of us, finding towels and a hot water bottle and some fresh clothes for Dorothy. I can't wear this. Shh, she'll hear you. It's just until you get home. No one will see. They're better not. If I were you, I'd get home and go straight to bed. I'll be fine. I think I should see it's you It's all home. right. I'm fine now. I really think I should... No, I'm quite capable. Thank you. Are you sure? No. I mean for jumping in. Thank you. Oh, quite all right. It was an accident. It won't happen again. Well, that's good. But you do need to rest. I'm going to see Mrs Butler. 
No, that is not a good idea. You can't stop me. I need to see her. But why? Because this all started with her. It all started with you. Look, if you like, I'll go and see her. You don't have to. I do. This is my battle, not yours. But you can come along if you want. Very well. Get home, get some rest, and if you're still set on it, then we'll go tomorrow. You can do as you please. I'm going tonight. There was no dissuading Dorothy, but I managed to get her to eat something, and then, at about seven o'clock in the evening, we set out in a taxi for Pimlico. God, I look awful. Mrs Cummings was so kind. I'll get her some flowers. What does she like? What kind of flowers? No idea. I'll get these clothes cleaned, too. You'll take them back for me? Absolutely. She was so nice. I think she gave me her best dress. Can't believe I'm actually wearing it. I think it might be Victorian. I don't think I know anyone in Pimlico. The coat will hide it. She was certainly nicer to you than she's ever been to me. You look fine. Stop. Stop. Stop the cab. Why? What's going on? Thank you. We'll walk from here. Get out. Quickly. Quickly. Uh, Thank you very much. Keep the change. Good night. Yes, sir. Dorothy, what on earth? She's there. What? Who's there? Where? It's Millie. Dorothy, stop it. There's no one... Look, there. And then I saw her, about 200 yards away, standing beneath a streetlight, the shape of a young girl. Wait, there is someone. You can see her? Yes, a girl. Thank God. Dorothy, it's just a girl. Now, come on. She set off, and almost immediately, the figure moved from the spill of the gaslight and disappeared. Hurry up. Hold on, wait. We turned a corner into Alderney Street, and there she was again up ahead, walking away from us. The lighting was brighter, and she did appear to be a dark-haired girl of about 12 years old, in a blue dress. Millie! Dorothy, it can't be. Millie! Wait! She disappeared again into Sussex Street. There were a number of people on the pavement, and we could only catch the odd glimpse of her. Dorothy increased her pace, and we were just about running when we turned into Winchester Street. And then we stopped. There she was, 50 yards from us, swinging on some railings. I could see her quite clearly now. A slight young girl in a blue dress, black curls spilling onto her shoulders. She was playfully pulling at the railings and letting her body swing from side to side. Then she stopped and slowly turned to look straight at us. A pretty face. She smiled. Millie? Millie! (laughs) And then she ran up the steps and into the house. Number 42. Mrs. Butler's house. We stood looking up at the partially open door and the darkness inside. Come on. Dorothy, wait. I followed Dorothy up the steps She pushed the door open, and we stood in the hallway. All was quiet. All was dark. Hello? Hello? Mrs. Butler? Where are you going? Just looking. We can't just let ourselves in. Why not? Miss Gibson? It's Virgil Kaylock. Hello? The house seemed to be empty, cold, and dark, and our voices dissolved in the silence. Where is she? Where's the girl? Dorothy said nothing. She pushed open a door that led off the hallway and edged into the drawing room. 
what little light there was from the street lamps outside threw shadows across the walls. It was the room where we had all sat waiting before entering the parlour. The assorted chairs stood about in a random and untidy fashion. One chair had been overturned and lay on its bentwood back. Where did she go? I don't understand. Millie? Millie, are you there? Millie? I'm sorry. I really am. I should have listened to you. I should have believed you. We were so little, it was just a game. I, I thought it was a game. I'm sorry, you told me and I let you down. It wasn't a game. I know that now. There was no reply. Just the bleak, empty silence of the house. Dorothy pushed open the door to the next room where we had sat for the seance. The curtains were closed, and it was completely black. Hello? There's no one here. We should leave. No. Light the candles. I found the matches on the table and began lighting the candles in the candelabra. N not that one. Dorothy took a candle from its place and snapped it in half and placed it back in the candlestick. Dorothy, what are you doing? Light it. I did so. Then she took something from a pocket and knelt on the floor. She lifted the rug away and then began writing on the floorboards with a stick of chalk. She wrote, Mr. Pinch. Dorothy, I don't understand. What does this mean? Mr. Pinch is so polite, doffs his cap and says good night. Write his name upon the floor. He'll be yours forevermore. I think you should stop this now. Mr. Pinch is oh so brave, whistles while he digs your grave. If you say his name times four, he'll come knocking at your door. Say his name. What? Say his name. Dorothy. His name. Say it. Mr. Pinch. Listen. Again. Mr. Pinch. Again. Mr. Pinch. Mr. Pinch. We stood quite still, listening. Nothing. No sound at all. Just the sound of our own breath and the flickering candles. Come in. The door on the other side of the room began to open, very slowly, revealing nothing but darkness. But then, something, a figure, formed in the shadows. I reached for Dorothy's hand, thinking I would pull her from the room and flee. But she shrugged me off, her eyes fixed on the shadow in the doorway. Why do you hide yourself in the dark? Why do you hide? What are you afraid of? Oh, so brave, Mr. Pinch. For a moment there was silence. No movement at all. And then it walked into the room. Mrs. Butler. Her hair, which had been so neat, now fell carelessly over her face. She was horribly pale, and her arms, which were scratched and bleeding, fell limp at her sides. Her mouth hung open, and her eyes were dark and sunken, and fixed on Dorothy. Mrs. Butler? Hello, Dorothy. 
You know, I thought I'd lost you. But here you are. Where's Millie? She's here. With me. She keeps a promise. She's a good girl. Who are you? What are you? We're old friends, aren't we, Dorothy? Such confidence, such assurance in a little girl of just 12 years old. Mr. Pinch. Call me what you like. I don't mind. Call me Mr. Roundboys, call me Mr. Pinch, call me anything you like. It doesn't really matter. You know who I am. What do you want? What do you want with Dorothy? Leave her alone! What do I want? You called my name, remember? You called me 12 years ago, Dorothy. You summoned me. What do you want? I want... I want... Too late! <laughs> You can't have it. You can't have what you want. You're too late. Twelve years too late. <laughs> a promise is a promise. My turn. What do I want? I just want your company, Dorothy. That's all. Millie is lonely. I'm lonely. We're playing here all by ourselves in the dark. Just Millie and Jasper, and me. That's no way to treat your friends, Dorothy. Come to Millie. Come to me. Dorothy, this is madness. Let's, let's go. We should just go. I moved to take Dorothy by the arm again, but then a violent force lifted my feet from the floor and I was thrown hard against the wall. The impact knocked the air from my lungs. I couldn't move. An immense pressure, a terrible weight, held me tight against the wall. Virgil! Stay where you are! <laughs> the force that held me took hold of Dorothy, too. Her knees buckled, and she collapsed onto one of the chairs. <laughs> Dorothy! Virgil, I can't move! You ran off once before, young lady. Naughty. You won't run away again. Though I struggled with every muscle, with every sinew, I couldn't pull myself away from the wall. I could only watch, watch in horror, as Mrs. Butler reached down to a pocket in her dress and pulled out a long knife. No! No, stop this! Oh, God! Let me go! We'll have fun, won't we, Dorothy? Fun in the dark. Dorothy sat upright, rigid, and yet her chair was moving, dragging across the floor as if pulled by an invisible cord. I can't explain how. The chair legs scraping and splintering the wooden floor as she was drawn nearer and nearer to Mrs. Butler and the knife that was held out in front of her. Stop! Stop this now! Virgil, help me! Help me! Mrs. Butler! Stop! For God's sake! Oh, she's here somewhere too. Mrs. Butler, we're all here. Lots and lots of us. There's millions, Dorothy. Where are they? All the lost souls, where do they go? Where did they all go? Please help me! What a mystery! What could it be? What's behind the curtain? What is it, Dorothy? Are you curious? Do you want to see? Shall we look? <gasps> the blade was now only a few inches from Dorothy's face, and still she was drawn towards it. You want to see? You want to have a peek? I know you want to see, so let's see! Ah! 
The knife was raised, ready to strike. Welcome home! No! In that moment, a shadow moved behind her, and Mrs. Butler turned to struggle with someone in the doorway. She raised the knife and lashed behind her, striking at a figure I could not see. Then the blade dropped to the floor, and her hands flew up to her neck. She was clawing at her throat, gasping and choking. Gone! Be gone, spirit! Leave this woman! Depart this body! Miss Gibson stood above the fallen body of Mrs. Butler, her foot pressed firmly onto her back as she pulled the rope as hard as she could. Miss Butler kicked and flailed, fighting and gasping for air, but the noose tightened about her neck, and she began to weaken. Out! I cast you out, Satan! Evil be gone! We are God's people! We do God's work! Leave this woman! This innocent woman! Go back to hell! The force that held me against the wall stopped abruptly, and I fell to the floor. And as I scrambled to my feet, Dorothy was by my side. Dorothy! I release you into the arms of the Lord. Your soul is free. May his divine light shine upon you and light your way to the golden fields of everlasting peace. Peace be with you, Mrs. Butler. Peace be with you. Peace. Peace. Miss Gibson stood above the prone body of Mrs. Butler. The noose still pulled tight in her trembling hands. I hope that Mrs. Butler is at peace. I hope that Miss Gibson's faith gives her the strength to endure her incarceration. And I hope too that the foul thing that destroyed their lives has returned to a place of misery and torment. I hope but I don't know any of these things. We don't know anything at all, and we understand even less. Good night. Chapter 3 of Beyond the Golden Curtain, written by John Ram. Virgil Kalock was played by Nicholas Bolton. Young Kalock, Daniel Fraser. Mrs. Butler, Carolyn Backhouse. Miss Gibson, Rachel Atkins. Dorothy Bell, Ellie Turner. And Mr. Blackwell, Sam Dale. The music was composed by Neil Brown. The Strange Tales of Virgil Kalock is supported using public funding by the National Lottery through Arts Council England. It is produced by Richard Varman, Martin Malone, and John Ram. It is a K-Lock production. Please find us at virgilkaylock.uk or patreon.com forward slash virgilkaylock.